All right. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Real Live Talk. Uh, starting a little bit late here, a couple of technical difficulties, but thanks so much for being here. If you're watching this live, be sure and smash that like button. If you're watching the video, you can share it out. That would be super amazing. If uh, you're listening later on one of the podcast platforms, be sure and subscribe if you haven't done so already. Share it, leave a review. Any of that would be super appreciated. Thank you so much in advance. Uh, my guest for today is Monique de Leon. Uh, Monique is a gifted worship leader, teacher, and author with a passion for leading people into the presence of God. And in her book, Pursuing Purity Under Pressure, she discusses the benefits of abstinence until marriage and the why behind the wait. Monique, thanks so much for being here. Hello. How you doing? Good. Hello. Awesome. Well, I'm super stoked to talk to you today. So thanks so much for just taking the time out and being here. Um, really appreciate it. And so you have a, a bit of a unique story, I think, from what I've heard um, from you and just the little bit of conversations that we've had in that you were raised uh, from a young age to believe God for the impossible and even started out doing ministry from a very young age in terms of street evangelism and leading worship and things like that. So could you start out here just by maybe giving us a little bit of your background, a little bit about maybe your origin story and how you began to recognize the call of God that was on your life? Yeah, definitely. So I was born and raised in Southern California and um, my parents divorced when I was seven. And I'm the youngest of five kids, so nice, big family I grew up in. Um, my dad was an alcoholic and everything. Um, but my mom, because I was the youngest and I'm quite spread apart in age from my other siblings, when they were all at school, I was at home still. So I grew up and my earliest memories are of my mom on her knees crying and praying. And then probably around wow. the age of four, she started memorizing scriptures with me. So I would just be like, I'd crawl up on the bed and like play with a Barbie doll and just watch her as she's, you know, praying and crying on her knees and stuff. And so that was just like a normal thing, you know? And um, <clears throat> so around four years old is when she started memorizing verses. So that's when, you know, God really started to become real at a young age. And then she did a lot of street evangelism. And so at the age of 11, I would started going with her because she had no one to watch me. So, <laughs> so she's like, you're coming with. And so, um, nice. so at the age of 11, I started doing street evangelism and all kinds, you know, from gang neighborhoods to wealthy neighborhoods to everything. So, um, yeah, so that's kind of my origin. And then I discovered that I liked to sing when I was around 12. And I was always in choir at school. I joined choir and everything. And then at 15 is when I started doing worship for my youth group. And one of the youth leaders, she's the one who kind of pushed me. And I guess you could say recognized, you know, the gifting that God placed within me. And she's kind of the one that helped push me and kind of forced me to step out and lead a song and then, you know, lead the whole, you know, the whole time and everything. So that's kind of really where um, I helped cultivate. Um, that what God has put within me. So um, from a young age, yeah, that's kind of a little bit of the background. That's so cool. So in doing, being an 11-year-old, 12-year-old, being young and being out there with your mom and doing street evangelism and learning how to 
talk to people. I imagine you were praying for people and just talking about yeah. the love of Jesus. What kind of um, what what kind of impact do you think that that's had on you in terms of what you're doing today? Maybe in terms of developing a boldness. I mean, even just like reading reading through your book, uh, I've noticed that there's a boldness about you <laughs> that you're not cool. afraid to. Uh, you know, you don't shy away from difficult topics and you have a boldness and an authority that you that you speak with and that you teach with. Um, and I, I'm just wondering if you think any of that goes back to to that, to like some of those things that were early on and um, just learning how to sort of from a young age, like to not be afraid of people, but to just kind of be out there where people were and talking to people. Um, would you say that that had um, an impact on just where you are now and, and your, maybe even your personality, your style of ministry? Yeah, I think definitely because from being a little girl, I saw miraculous things as a child and it was all because, you know, mm. my mom, she very much taught me and then, um, about like just stepping out in faith and, you know, if God said it, then, you know, that's it. And so I always share the story about, um, when I was four years old, we had a cat and, the cat got hit by a car and the neighbor oh, no. came over and the neighbor saw it. The neighbors watched and mm -hmm. saw, and the cat was dying because the cat was vomiting everywhere. It was bleeding from its mouth, from its anus. And it wow. was just, you know, dying it was a bad situation. And the neighbor came over and brought our cat to us. And he said, I'm so sorry. I just saw your cat got hit by a car and I know wow. it's dying. I don't know what you want to do, but I just want to bring it to you. And, you know, so my mom, I was four years old and my mom, she looked at me and she said, Monique, we don't have money to take the cat to a vet. I need you to pray. And so wow. I said, okay. So I laid hands on the cat and I just prayed healing over it in Jesus name. And the cat just jumped up and ran to go play. And like just nothing <laughs> happened. And then about an hour later, the neighbor came by and the neighbor was like, how's your cat? Did you guys get a chance to take it to the vet? I'm so sorry, you know? <laughs> and I was like, no, she's fine. She's resting over there in the sun. And the neighbor looked wow. and like, he just, he couldn't believe it because he saw, you know, he knew that cat was dying and mm. he was like, oh, okay. Like just shocked. And so this was something that my mom would constantly you know, encourage me and teach me to step out in faith and mm. believe God. And um, yeah, so I've just got stories of all kinds of things since I was wow. a child that I remember. And that's really the foundation. So then when it came to street evangelism, you know, because she brought me, you know, I learned to tell people about Jesus and to bring him up in conversation in casual ways and not shouting or condemning people, but in a very normal way. And mm -hmm. um, there's a term that my old pastor used to say it's called that we are to be supernaturally natural. So Come in on. the sense of where, you know, you can still have a regular conversation. You're not this really weird pseudo spiritual person, but you're really relatable still. And so I learned that. And then in high school, you know, uh, just such a boldness really came forth because it was one of those things where it's like I just knew God could do anything. And I was laying hands on. Kids. I was laying hands on my teachers in class and praying for them and and people would you know some make fun and you know I'd have conversations with atheists and whatnot but I was never embarrassed I was never embarrassed I was never ashamed of Jesus whatsoever because people would come find me at my locker and ask me to pray for them because they heard that someone else got healed after I laid hands on them and prayed for them and so it was one of those things where it was like it just really 
cultivated and developed such a boldness on the inside of me because it was like, no, like God is real. Like this stuff is real. And so I didn't care what people said. Um, I was not embarrassed, ashamed at all. So definitely that was my foundation. And that's definitely what brought forth and cultivated just a boldness and a passion for God. That's awesome. That excites me so much. And like major shout out to your mom for real, for for teaching you those things and instilling those things in you from such a young age Um, that the, the whole idea of childlike faith is so powerful and it's so, it's something that I think we ignore um, often in the church. And it's something, you know, like Jesus said is like, unless you can enter the kingdom as one of these little children, or unless you can receive the, the kingdom, excuse me, as one of these children as one of these little ones you'll by no means enter it so often Mm -hmm. we have so many like preconceived ideas and just different things and wrong mentalities mindsets a lot of times we're operating from like a scarcity mindset or a a mindset that's based on lack and when we can learn how to draw near to god the way that a child would you know Mm -hmm. because a child's understanding of the world is (laughs) generally speaking not jaded by you know years of trouble and problems and you know what I mean like rejection and sickness and different things like that that so often gets in our way and clouds our judgment so that childlike faith I think that if you know as parents and and as leaders you know we can learn to cultivate that within our children and teenagers and you know from a from a young age I think that it becomes so powerful and becomes something that the Holy Spirit can really build upon you know going forward throughout the you know as you get into your adult years and growing up and like i i used to uh, i haven't done it in a while maybe i should do it again but my i would uh if i was having a headache or a stomach ache or something like that i'd go to like my my son i think he was you know probably like six seven at the time i'd go to him and i just ask him hey man just could you just put your hands on my head and pray for me and i would just ask him to do that and he would pray just really really you can imagine really simple prayers but yeah. just like that simple childlike faith. And yeah. uh, I mean, it, I, I, rem- I think, I, I mean, maybe it wasn't 100% of the time, but every time I can remember um, the, you know, little headache that I had or whatever it was would just go away. And, yeah. uh, you know, and I'd want them to know that, that uh, you know, you can believe God even at this young age for the impossible. I think that's so yes. powerful. That is so good. Continue to do yeah. that with your kids because my mom would do the same thing with me. And, so um, yeah, and it, it just really teaches them to use their faith and to step out and do it. And even because at 14, I started going on missions trips, and I am a big, big advocate for missions trips, believers going on a missions trip. And um, that is definitely in those teenage years is was really formative where I saw so many miracles take place. And so it was mm. one of those things where, you know, they really taught us, like, you know, step out lay hands and pray. And then even after you pray for someone, you tell them, do what you couldn't do before. Like teaching that individual, you know, even if they weren't saved yet, but just, just getting their faith up and which then, you know, obviously opens the door for their heart to receive Jesus because God's just amazing like that. And so it's just one of those things you tell people, do what you couldn't do before, like step out in faith, do it. And um, so that's really what definitely helped teach me in that is stepping out um, and encouraging other people to do the same thing. So, but yes, definitely yeah. have your kids lay hands on you and pray for you. Definitely encourage that. <laughs> yeah, we, so we actually, um, my wife and I, we haven't done it since uh, the shutdown, 
uh, last year, but my my wife and I, um, for a few years in a row, we were uh, leading a team of people into different parts of Mexico on just like, you know, real short term, couple week long nice. mission trips. And so um, the last year that we went, we were actually able to bring my kids with us. And that was my whole thing. I was like, I am just actively looking. I, I felt like God put this on my heart a few years back, like to just actively look for opportunities to expose them to supernatural mm -hmm. happenings. Because yeah. I mean, and, and we have, you know, we have experiences here at our at our home church here and, um, mm -hmm. you know, people get healed and stuff like that. But uh, it's, you know, I, I really do love, like you said, I, I really love the, the mission trips um, and, you know, taking people down to kind of get outside of their what's normal for them and to really mm -hmm. see God move in really powerful ways. And so, uh, yeah, my kids were there in the room and just seeing stuff happen and being a part of stuff. And, um, you know, from a young age, I, I think that it's just so it's just yeah, so powerful. Yeah. So whenever you have the opportunity to do stuff like that, anybody listening that has kids, young kids, older kids, whatever, like if you have the opportunity to do that, um, I have that's like 100 percent endorsement on my end. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah definitely. Know? Um, well, I want to get into some stuff. I know we don't have um, a ton of time, so I want to get into a uh, little bit of this conversation um, on uh, on purity. I want to talk to you a little bit about your book. So the book, again, is called Pursuing Purity Under Pressure. The subtitle is Encouraging Singles and Young Adults on Living Pure in Today's World. So first of all, Monique, um, what was it that sort of has led you to be passionate about this subject in particular of purity and integrity. Uh, you talk in the book about um, living counterculturally. And so what has sort of um, been, I don't know, what, what, what has driven you to sort of focus a lot? Not that this is the only thing you do in ministry, but uh, that has caused you to write this book and to focus just a lot of your heart and, and passion and attention toward this uh, subject of pursuing purity in particular? I think because seeing, and the reason why I even wrote the book was because I had three friends in a matter of like two weeks, randomly, different people who don't even know each other, all tell me one day, they called me and told me, you should write a book. Like, you should okay. write a book. <laughs> and I was like, what? I'm it. like, I'm a, yeah. I'm a singer, not an author. Like, what do you mean? Right? Mm. And so, um, and then the second friend. So after the third friend, I was like, okay, God. Are you trying to tell me something here, you know? And so, um, <laughs> so because they're all saying basically your story is unique and it needs to be heard. And mm. I think I found with it was that there's actually quite a bit of people who are either virgins waiting until they're getting married to have sex or they're remaining abstinent, but they are silent about it. And I really wanted to shatter yeah. this stereotype that if you're a virgin or if you're someone who's remaining absent, that you must be ugly and overweight, can't get a date, socially awkward. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, I yeah. really wanted to kind of shatter this stereotype and really bring a voice in this area just because just seeing statistics and researching some things when it comes to sex and sexuality amongst young people. Now, how, because I have a friend whom her daughter is head of education in a particular state and just saying what they're seeing now is not only are kids having sex younger but they're actually having multiple partners so you've got like 13 14 year olds that have five yeah. and six different sexual partners wow and so it's one of those things where it's just like 
you know, the pendulum has swung too far one way and it's time to bring it back. And I know mm. the message I have, the world is completely against. And, <laughs> and so I understand that, but um, it's a message that needs to be heard because you really do find sometimes young people who don't even realize that it's actually an option for them to wait until marriage, yeah. like to save yeah. themselves or to yeah. remain abstinent. It's like, it's not even an option that's presented as something that is good. And that's really the safest thing to do in the wow. culture we're living in right now. And so I really wanted to bring this forth and highlight it that you could still be completely normal, <laughs> you know, and living this journey out. And so wanting to just really shed light on something that is not talked about a whole lot in the church, mm. out of the church, just period. So yeah. especially like being a virgin, you know, it's such a foreign thing to people when it shouldn't be. And so mm. that's, um, yeah, that's the reason why I wanted to write this book. Yeah, that's awesome. And I was I was reading and and uh, I was reading where you you talk about about that about being countercultural, and it really it really made me think about it um, in in a way that I hadn't really thought about it before. I mean, of course it's of course it's countercultural, but I, but I had never like thought given it that much thought as I did as I was sort of reading um, your perspective on some things. And so really, I can't I can't recommend the book enough. You've, you've written it um, in a very you know simple way, practical way. I love the way you kind of like start off and you're just like, uh, this is not about this is not a list of do's and don'ts. This is not Ooh. this is not about that. <laughs> and uh, and I really love the way, too, that you that you approach it from um, that place of like you're not shy in the book. Like, let's say like you you'll talk about yourself. You'll talk about some you know struggles that you had gone through. And, uh, you know, even some of the terminology you use, like you're not shying away from the difficult conversations. And I, I really appreciate that because it's so important. So, like, how important is this? Because I, I think that so often in in Christian circles, the conversation, at least when I was growing up, like a lot of the conversation would get to this point of, well, you, you, you can't do this. You can't have sex before you're married. You can't do this. You can't do that. And then it would kind of stop there almost in, in uh -huh. like most of the time. And there wasn't a whole lot discussed about the why. And I know like that's that was the, the opening line of this podcast was, you know, that you're helping people understand the why behind yeah. the weight, because when you understand the why it helps people to come at this from like to a attack purity and attack integrity and attack living this way from a place of of a value system rather than, oh, well, I can't do this because they told me not to. So just yeah. your perspective on like, how important is it to, you know, teach, I want to say children and young people, but <laughs> adults are in this conversation as well, Ooh. developing values, va developing a strong value system that actually helps them to make the right decisions as opposed to, you know, we can scandalize something, but I think the more we scandalize something, the usual result is that it makes people want to do it more. Yeah. Would you agree with that? Like, yeah. you know, I, I think it's rare. I think it's rare that you tell someone don't do this because I said so, and they actually don't do it. <laughs> I think it's more <laughs> likely that they're going to do it. So what's, what's, what's just, you know, some thoughts on that around um, developing values around yeah. sexual purity and integrity. Yeah. That that was like the second reason why I wrote the book was to give okay. the why behind the weight because same thing growing up in church culture and that unfortunately 
is where the church did a bad job um, as a whole. And I love the house of God and I love the body of Christ, but this is definitely yeah. an area the church has done a bad job where we mm. were just told not to, but didn't, weren't told why. And so that's what I wanted to bring out the why in the book. Um, because, yeah, when you do know more and you have an understanding of seeing things even from God's perspective, um, as a believer, that will help you too. Like, this is why God is asking this of me. And so having an understanding that it's for the future good for you, because, you know, God can see up ahead where you can't. And it's a matter of him trying to protect you, not ruin your fun, not restrict you, but to keep you safe and protected within these boundaries. And yeah. we need those boundaries. We have boundaries all, all throughout life. And so this is another one, uh, but this is a really good one that actually will keep you from a lot of heartache, from you know unwanted pregnancies, STDs, um, right. save you a lot of time, even money. <laughs> <laughs> like, do you know what I mean? Like, this is something For that sure money. The, that's what I'm saying, right? It's just the emotional effort. And I think that just most young people are really not even ready to handle everything that goes along with sex. And so wanting to show people and explain how sex is not just physical, but it's emotional, it's spiritual, you know, it's biological. Like, it's it's something that is so much more than just the physical act that yeah. culture paints it to be. And so this is where I really wanted to bring some clarity, bring some understanding for the why behind the way. And then you still make the decision. You know, I mean, it's it's your choice, but I definitely just wanted to show people now that you know the truth and now that you know, what are you going to do with it? Because the responsibility yeah. then falls on you as an individual because we are responsible for the knowledge we have. And so mm. wanting to show the why behind the weight um, is so needed, especially for our young people, because whom they look up to. And that's why a part of it, one of the chapters I wrote is, you know, to my young queens and to my young kings, because there's so much self-esteem that is attached to it. And learning to place value upon yourself, a part of that is not giving yourself away. And so wow. just to anybody. And so that's why having teaching young people, especially that their value should not be within their looks or their sexuality. Their value needs to be deeper than that. Obviously, for the like, wow. believer, you're, it's, it's found in Christ. But even for someone who's not saved, just getting the understanding that you are worth so much more than just this one night stand. You are worth so much more than this. So mm -hmm. showing people that, you know, teaching people to place value upon themselves, because when something is valuable, you're not just going to let anybody touch it. And you're just not going to wow. let anybody have access to it. And so that was always a standard that I had for my own self was that, no, I am one of a kind. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I, I am valuable yeah. and I yeah, am absolutely. rare and like not every man is just going to have mm -hmm. access to me. And so yeah. just wanting to show people that's how you need to see yourself yeah. is placing value upon yourself. So, yeah, because yeah. I think a lot of people do default to that, like you said, is in a relationship, so much of their value, I think, is wrapped up in, OK, what am I bringing to this relationship in terms of in terms of sex, in terms of, you know, what what mm -hmm. can I what can I bring to this relationship in terms of physicality? And I think that 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 a lot of people get stuck there. And like you said, a lot of people don't mm -hmm. even realize that there's another option that, th you know, it's become so normal and so acceptable to the point you talk you talk about boundaries like. 
-hmm. the boundaries are constantly being pushed back further and further to the point that like what's being taught in schools in I don't even know if they still call it sex education or not, but health class and stuff like that in, you know, young, like kids that are young and and not ready to really shouldn't be ready anyway to to be going after these things. And, you know, I've seen uh, health books that are talking about they talk about anal sex. I've seen health books Mm -hmm. where they talk about bondage. I've seen that, you know, and it's just kind of like trying to desensitize us to this thing so that we can make everybody feel comfortable no matter what, you know, whatever they believe or whatever they want or whatever they're attracted to. And so, um, you know, that that boundary line is constantly being pushed back to where, like you said, I think that's such a key point. Um, that becomes a big issue is like, I don't even know that I don't even know that there was an option. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, is absence no, still even yeah. a thing that just seems like something that's so like archaic that it's uh-huh. not even a <laughs> part of life, you know? <laughs> it's so true. And I tell people because people are like, oh my gosh, you're so old fashioned and all this stuff about like, what? Wait until marriage to have sex? I said, what do you think like your great grandparents and every generation before them did? This was a normal way of life waiting until marriage to have sex this is not a foreign concept this was in every culture in every society through every time period of history this was a normal way of life people waited until marriage so that's why i'm like this is not a new foreign concept it's just something within like what the last 60 70 years has become so much more you know i guess well i guess really you could say within like the 60s really bringing in the whole free sex love but prior to that like this was normal and people exercise self-control. And I talk a little bit about that, but I teach more about that in the courses and stuff, how people are not taught to exercise self-control or discipline. And so because of that, that's why you see sexuality, everything just being so rampant because people are not using self-control or practice mm. discipline any longer. And that wow. bleeds though into other areas of life too. So that's a part of it too. So that's why it's like, Oh, I just shake my head and roll my eyes. I'm like, no, this was a normal thing 60 years ago. Like, this is not, you know, some old, old thing, you know. So, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And so, and uh, I'm just going to bring this up. Um, So you have a particular, um, I would call it authority to speak on this subject because you yourself are a virgin, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And so this is something that you've chosen to 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 teach about, but not just teach about it. This is something that you've modeled in your own life. Um, and this is something that you are living out. Right. Yeah. And so if I don't know if you could just maybe share just a little bit about um, is probably a really broad question. But just like as far as your experience on that, on that has been, um, you know, for you personally, like choosing to live this way, choosing to wait until marriage. Um, I mean, my wife and I, <laughs> when we got married, we were both virgins. Um, hallelujah. But we were also 22 when we got married. So, <laughs> you know, it's not exactly it's not exactly on the same level. And uh, it, But anyway, so just uh, if you could maybe just share a little bit about that. Yeah. So with that, which your audience probably doesn't know yet, is I'm 39 years old. So I definitely can. Everybody just got real silent. You couldn't tell. You couldn't tell. (laughs) So I definitely speak from this from a place of experience and a place of waiting for, you know, quite a few years in uh, the time we're living in. (laughs) 
So um, definitely hasn't come without its challenges because I tell people, you know, I'm human. I still have hormones. You know, I can be aroused. Uh, you know, it's the same thing. But yeah. it's really just a matter of, and this is where it comes back to self-control, discipline. Yeah. But really, the main thing is it's out of my love for God. Because um, I think just developing this relationship with him from a young age, it really was something that I never really wanted to do anything that I knew was going to hurt the heart of God. Wow. And I didn't want to. And that's been since I was a teenager. And it's because mm -hmm. I just my love for him, you know, and just developing a relationship with him. I didn't want to do anything that I knew he was going to be disappointed with and that was going to hurt his heart. So that's really where all of this and the way I've lived has come out of, um, you know, but with that, obviously, you know, you need some practical things too. And that's why, you know, just having people hold you accountable or you don't put yourself in situations or you're not watching mm. things you shouldn't be watching. And you know what I mean? Like there's still things practically yeah. that you can do, but um, yeah. So I can speak to this um, as a woman who's, almost 40 and um <laughs> i can definitely speak to this where the challenges that have come uh dating how dating has been interesting and um but yeah but all in all you know i feel like when you do make a, a choice a conscious decision to do something like this you know god gives you the grace also though you know yeah. to carry it out yeah now granted Absolutely. you do have to do your part but at the same time, though, there is a grace for it. And so and I think that's really where I've seen that God really has preserved me and protected me and given me a grace because it really is something that has been on my heart to do, to honor him, you know, in this way. So yeah, because so good. this is what he's asking of me. So I'm yeah. going to do it out of obedience, out of love for him. Yeah. So, yeah. And I, I love I love that because, you know, I think that we can approach this conversation from a very legalistic standpoint yeah. where, you know, like it, I know that, you know, that if you were to just have a bad day, a lapse in judgment and just go out and mess up and, you know, just like, let's say, you know, sin sexually, like, you know, that God would not change the way that he feels about you, how the yeah. way that he loves you, the way that he thinks about you. And so this is not something that like, oh, I have to do this because like I, if I don't do this, then God's going to be mad at me or, you know, I'm not going to be like th that's not what this is about at all. Right. Like yeah. we can come at this from a very legalistic point of view. But I love the fact that you that your heart in this has always been from the beginning. God, like I just I want to love you and I want to love you practically, not just like with with me saying that I love you, I mm -hmm. want to obey your word. And, and, and also recognizing that, you know, I, like I'm, ch I'm choosing this, I'm choosing to walk this way. I'm choosing to walk in purity because of the fact that you have something that's better for me, yeah. you know, and I could fall into, you know, I can, I can go the way of the world and I can go for like this counterfeit thing of, you know, whatever that the enemy would, you know, have me do. But I'm going to just choose to like, I think it comes down to a lot of things. I think it comes down to trust, I think is a big one, you know, mm -hmm. trusting God enough with your life and with your future to like, you know, delay some things in the short term, because yeah. you know that what he's got for you is better, you know? Yeah. And then, you know, I also even just tell people like, even just from another standpoint, like if I already at this point would have had sex with the men that I've dated, 
I feel like what a waste it would have been. You know what mm. I mean? Like it's one of those things where it's like that just would have been such yeah. a waste to have fully given myself because yeah. there really is there's no way for two people to be more intimate intimately connected than engaging in sex because it happens on all levels physically spiritually emotionally yeah. so it's like i look and i'm like it would have been such a waste to yeah. have done so on a man who is not committed forever to me so mm. um so yeah i mean that's, that's just another way that i am seeing it also and that's why it's like no i don't i don't want to waste that on someone who's um you know that hasn't been god's choice for me so yeah yeah. And, and I mean, I can say, and again, we only waited. We're only 20, we were 22. We got married young. <laughs> we got married young, but I, I can, I can say that it's awesome. And I, I don't know the alter. I, I didn't, I don't have the experience of the alternative, but I can say that like, it's awesome to know that when my wife and I are being intimate together, like she's not comparing me to somebody else and like mm -hmm. i'm not comparing her to somebody else because it never happened like i don't i don't yeah. have that and so like i think that that's an awesome thing but i also know that i mean a lot of people listening to this are not you know they've they've already they've already gone down that road and whatever so you know what do you say to somebody who has already um you know like maybe they're they're not married maybe they're young maybe they're i don't know whatever but but somebody who has um already you know had sexual experiences and stuff like that um what do you say to somebody like that who maybe reads your book or maybe hears your teaching and then says oh man you know what i wish i would have waited or i wish you know this or that but you know i can't go back and undo what's what's been done but like the thing is the god that we serve is such a god of love and mercy and grace and hope and and everything so uh, i guess like what do you like to impart to people that maybe feel remorseful about something that they've done or you know or, or something like that yeah so just know and i always tell people that you know god is a god of restoration and he makes all things new and there is yeah. always forgiveness at the feet of jesus and when you come and you make a decision that from here on out you're going to change that you want to live differently he will give you the grace to live that out because I do know um, that, oh no, it says my phone is gonna shut off in 20 seconds because it's overheating <laughs> oh, on <what>? Chrome. <laughs> ah! <laughs> I, got, I have to do it for my That's laptop. Hilarious. What'd you say? <laughs> yeah, I'll probably have to hook. Okay. <laughs> that is so funny. Well, um, I'm gonna keep talking for a few more minutes here and we'll see if Monique is able to get back in or not. And if she is, then we'll uh we'll continue this conversation. We'll probably have to wrap it up shortly after she gets back because I know she didn't have a whole lot of time left anyway. Uh I hope you're enjoying this conversation. Anybody that's watching live, really, really appreciate it. Um now if uh if Oh, man, if you have any questions or anything about anything that Monique has been discussing here, please feel free to put it in the chat. Uh, or if even if you're not watching this live, if you're checking it out later on, feel free to send us a, send a message or comment on the video or uh, whatever, because this is a conversation that has a lot of moving parts to it for sure. And uh, wouldn't want anybody to leave this, you know, feeling confused, uh, definitely not feeling condemned or ashamed. And I think that that's where Monique was going there. You know, it's such a trap and scheme and lie of the enemy to get people bogged down with shame, with condemnation, 
with fear. And look, like no matter where you've been, what your experiences have been, the point of this conversation is not to tear anybody down or, you know, to, to make you feel bad for things that you've done wrong or anything like that. Um, all right. I believe we're back. Hey. So sorry. Well, that was you. You recovered quickly. I try to like hurry up and get in here real fast. You recovered quick. That was great. That was great. You're like pro pro move right there. Um, <laughs> do you re do you remember where you were in in yeah. your? Okay. Okay. So just knowing and having an understanding that you can always start over. Um, it's never too late. It's never too mm -hmm. late. Like it doesn't matter if you were a prostitute. Doesn't matter if you have slept with X amount of people. Um, it's never too late because God can restore. You know that's what He does. He's a restorer. He's a repairer of the breach, so to speak, is a, is a term. Yeah. And um, so just knowing that you can start over, you can start fresh and new. And I know a lot of people do feel condemned, especially if they've slept around a lot and they think that they'll never get married or they don't want to tell their significant other because they might think bad of them but just know that when you fully submit this area of your life to god that he's going to bring someone who is not going to care about your past because that was your past and that's not who you are any longer so wow. just having an understanding and a knowing that god is so good that he he turns things around and he can restore like no one else can so wow. just know that whatever you've done whatever mistakes you've made that it doesn't matter because it can be restored as you bring it to the feet of Jesus. So just be encouraged that you can choose, you know, to live this life out, to walk this journey of purity. You can start now where you're at and allow God to, because I had a friend um, who was a former stripper and he slept with umpteen num number of women. <laughs> okay. Yeah. But he is someone who chose to remain abstinent and he's abstinent now. And so he's looking wow. forward says to when he gets married one day and um so yeah so that's what i'm saying it's something that for anyone listening yeah. it's okay you can start fresh you can start new so so good i do think we make a huge mistake when you know we, we're talking about purity and walking in purity right and i think we make a really big mistake when we when our, when our mindset is that somebody who has sinned sexually oh they're not pure anymore like, I yeah. think that we I think that we make a mistake when we when we only consider purity when somebody is a virgin. Um, in other words, like I'm walking in purity. And like you said, like you just brought that example. I love that you shared that example of your friend who, you know, had a had a different uh, outlook on life, obviously, and then mm -hmm. uh, decided to then walk in abstinence from that point forward and to yeah. and to engage in that pursuit of purity. And so that's not any like that's not any anything less than somebody who, um, you know, in your situation or in my situation where, you know, we waited until marriage um, in order to do that. You know, I think that we can judge people. And I, and I do. I did see that when I was growing up, you know, in some of the church circles and stuff like that, where the purity conversation did get um a little dicey at times yeah, and, to really. say the least you know what i mean and to where it was just um very unbalanced i think in a lot of in a lot of ways and yeah. it caused people to it really left people feeling ashamed and condemned for things that they had yes. done and for their mistakes and that's definitely not the heart of god no and i think see and that's that's so true and that's a part of it and that's why it's just unfortunate you know like i talked about earlier where the the church did not do a good job of that because 
once you repent and once you come and your heart is turned towards Jesus, all of that is washed yeah. away. Like yeah. God does, God never brings back and throws up your past to your face. People do that, but God never does that. God never reminds you of what you did wrong. And so we're supposed to be like that. We're supposed to treat people like that prostitute that came off the street, you know, that former pimp, like, no, when they repent, they, they are clean, you know, they have been made new. And so mm-hmm. that is how we're supposed to treat people and treat them like Jesus. So, so good. Uh, do you have time for one more question or? Yeah. Okay. So just um, maybe just one or two things, whatever comes to your mind, some things that let's say specifically like a young person or a young adult who is um, wanting to walk in purity, walk in integrity, just some things that they can focus on. Because as you mentioned, like we are in such a hypersexualized culture where everything is, you know, right there, the accessibility to pornography, the accessibility to so many things, even the way that, I mean, yeah, I, so many things that I could mention that it's just, it's uh, not, not really worth mentioning, but um, you know, with everything that's going on, like what can somebody um, either just a young person or even a young couple who loves the Lord and is pursuing purity in their relationship, like some things that, that we can focus on to, um, just pursue purity and integrity before the Lord in a healthy way. Yeah. So first thing, definitely I always, is, you know, really developing that relationship with God, getting closer to him, um, spending time in the word and spending time in prayer. Um, but something practically, some things is you got to watch the ear gate and you got to watch the eye gate, what you're listening to and what you're looking at, because everything you see goes in you. Okay. And, those thoughts because the devil's going to bring things back up all the time what you watch what you listen to and you know music paints a picture and images are going to replay in your mind once again and so really guarding what you listen to and what you watch is something that will help as you walk out this journey of purity mm-hmm. and once you spend more time with god and in his presence this is what really builds a confidence within you Okay, because my confidence is in Christ. And that's why I've been able to really sustain and be bold and not care what people say or think, because that's where my confidence has come from. But that only came as I developed my relationship with him. So that's why I'm really encouraged to spend time in the word, in his presence, worshiping him, talking to him, because that's going to build confidence in you. And you need confidence in order to walk this journey of purity out. Because when you're the only one in the room, and people make fun of you, you can't crumble, you know, you need to learn to stand. And so that's the only way you're going to stand is where your confidence comes in. It's not just, it's not in you and your good works and what you've done, but your confidence Mm -hmm. is in Christ. So So that is my encouragement definitely to a young dating couple, singles, older singles, younger singles, because older singles, let me tell you, this is not just for the young people. That's why I have a whole chapter in my book called Dating Over 35, because this is not relegated just to young people. God expects purity from you as well. If you're not married, yeah. shouldn't be having sex, period. Yeah. And so this is not just for the young people. This is for my older singles as well. So come on. Yeah. Love it. Well, uh, Monique, where would you point people to that want to find out more? I know you mentioned some online courses that you have and, of course, your book and, uh, you know, just like maybe content that you post and things like that. Where would you point people to? to find out yes. more about what so you're doing, what you, you can go to my website, which is my name, moniquedeleon.com. 
and you can find um, the book there. You can find music. Um, you can click on the tab that has courses and that courses actually will take you to another website because I have a website dedicated to the online courses, which is called pursuingpurity.info. And that is where you can purchase a course, you'll log in there. And basically what I did with the courses, I just extracted certain topics from the book and expounded on them and did like a, a deeper teaching. So if people Very want cool. more teaching, more understanding on something in particular, that's where you can find it. But you just go to moniquedeleon.com. You can link through to even all my social medias from there as well. And then, um, yeah, so just watch videos, take a listen to podcasts, all that stuff, uh, moniquedeleon.com. Oh yeah, please mention mention your podcast as well. I know they can. I'm sure they can get to it from the same website. But yeah, uh, yeah. just mention the the podcast, please. So I had created a little podcast called Bite Size Insight, and what I it's ten minutes or less, so it's a short little podcast. Um, and you can find it also on like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Radio Cast, Pocket Cast, all that stuff. Um, but the whole basis behind it was I wanted to take like a verse or a particular topic from scriptures and kind of break it down. So do like the studying and just really expound on it to give people a deeper understanding of a message um, and God's word that maybe they normally would not have searched for on, the, on their own or were not taught. Um, so that's kind of what I wanted to do. I wanted to give scripture and break it down in bite sizes. That's why it's called Bite Size Insight. It's just 10 minutes or less. So you yep. can also yep, click on the podcast page on my website and you can find it there. Awesome. Yeah, well, I've listened to a handful of them and uh, they're super encouraging and easy listening. They're nice and short. You can listen to it like on your commute, that kind of thing. So uh, unlike this podcast, which is much, which is, <laughs> which is not long. good. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but thank you, Monique. I really appreciate you. Thank you for your time. I really enjoyed this conversation and I uh, really just love what you're doing and all you, all the value that you're bringing to this conversation, which, as you mentioned, it is a um, tends to be a misunderstood topic, a, a, a topic that isn't given a, a lot of attention to these days. Yeah. And, um, you know, so much peer pressure and pressure and different things surrounding this topic and this way of living. And uh, I love the just sort of the fresh perspective. And it's the, the Bible. It's a biblical perspective, but it's a um, sort of a, a fresh perspective, you know, on uh, teaching people how they can walk in purity and encourage and in integrity before the lord so thanks for all you're doing and thanks for being here appreciate it thank you thank you for having me all right this episode's over but thank you guys so much for sticking through to the end as soon as the episode was over monique and i started discussing already setting up a round two so a part two with monique is in the works because we've got so much more that we want to discuss on this topic i hope that this episode was a blessing to you if it blessed you or added any value to your day if you'd consider subscribing sharing leaving a review that would be so helpful to me and it would really mean the world to me thank you so much in advance and I look forward to seeing you in a future episode.